Yeah, what if I could if I could title tonight so far with worship and everything, it would be it really is all about Jesus. It just is, right? I mean, it's all about Jesus and we we make it about a lot of other things, but I'm telling you, <laughs> it's all about Jesus. Um, let's just pray for a moment. Jesus, we, we stop again to acknowledge um, your lordship in our lives. Jesus, you are king. You are the king. You're the king of the earth. You're the king of our hearts. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is something about that name. Thank you for, um, I just, I just want to thank you again for your kindness, your tenderness, your mercy, your forgiveness. Each one of us, each one of us, Jesus, we, we don't even want to know where we would be without you. Thank you that we don't need to know that anymore, ever again. And we just want that to be the same for every single person on this earth, that they would never have to know what life is like without you. So we give you permission now and continually to touch our hearts. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight, continuously. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, um, I'm actually not going to preach all that much tonight. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna let the scriptures do some preaching, and then we're actually going to watch a, a video. That So basically, you're going to hear a story from the book of Acts, and then you're going to see a modern-day story that is just the book of Acts being lived out. Um, so, but I want to start by, um, I know I mentioned this a week ago, so if you were here a week ago, I was doing the announcements. This is going to be a repeat of that, but that's okay. Uh, two weeks ago, when uh, Joe Moody was here, and before she preached, she had us stand up and just put our hands out and said, Holy Spirit, come. Um, it's happened many times in my life, you know, where someone prays that, and sometimes I feel something, sometimes I don't. It's always a great thing to pray. Holy Spirit, come. We give you permission. So I was standing there, and as I was doing that, I just felt something physiologically going on in my brain. It just It was just a moment. It was I knew it was God. I knew I wasn't like, you know, something medically wrong. I knew it was God, but it just felt, it felt strangely wonderful, I guess is a good way of saying it. Something was going on. And I would say if I had to call it something, I would say it was a supernatural renewing of the mind is what it felt like. And in that moment, two things just became crystal, crystal clear to me. These are things that the Lord spoken before, but this just was made so clear. One is that the harvest is coming. Revival is, is, is real. The harvest is coming, and it's much bigger than we could possibly uh, believe much bigger than anything the world has seen. Now, sometimes when we hear promises or we hang on to things for years and years and years, kind of the excitement of it, you know, kind of diminishes after a while. Like, yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. This, the, and I believe this was supernatural. God saying, wake up, son. It is coming. This is actually happening. And it was so real. It was like, it was like it had already happened. And, and, of, and of course, that's the definition of faith. Is that it's the substance of things unseen. And, and also, along with that, the second part of that was, um, therefore, it's, it's critically important that you get lined up with me, that alignment with my heart. And so I talked a little bit about that last week. And um, I wanted to start with that because I also want to come back around after we share a few stories through scripture, through this video, and come back around to that word 
and actually pray into this. But I believe, and we've, uh, what I love about this church, um, one of the many things, by the way, when I say church, that's you all, um, is because church is the people, right? It's not a place, it's not an event, it's people. That's actually what, what the word means, you know, the ecclesia, we're the ones that carry his glory. And so what I love about, about this group of people is we talk so much and believe so much in grace. Um, with, and grace meaning that, that God has to do what God has to do. So our part is to agree with God. Our part is to keep giving him permission. But we also know that it isn't how hard we work. It isn't, you know, how much we try that things happen. So when we talk about alignment with his heart, when he says, I, want, I need you lined up with my heart, then we need to go right back to grace and say, God, I give you permission to align my heart with yours. Otherwise, it turns right into I'm not aligning enough. I'm not doing enough. Um, so, so even his words, we always have to take them in the context of grace, which is always an invitation. Would you let me do this for you? So I'm just reminding you because we want to pray into this later. But that alignment is it's, it's somewhat about things that, need, things that we need to let go of, some of that baggage that we just need to let go of. Jesus can carry it and never give it back, right? Some of it is things we need to bring back again. I feel like God's restoring things up again, some of the words, some of the passions. Um, and, and, and so much of it is about aligning ourselves with his heart for people, just for all the sons and daughters out there. That when we lose sight of that, when we, and sometimes it happens just because our own lives, you know, there's so much going on. And when we think about helping people, it's like, ah, oh, it's just one more thing to do because we've lost the, the heart behind it. We've lost the passion for people, for, for souls, for, for ones that he loves. And so that's why tonight we want to talk about, um, in fact, I'll go ahead and turn it to this one. Um, yay. Um, to never underestimate the lengths God will go to reach a lost heart. First of all, go back to what he has done to find yours, right? You can say, well, I found Jesus, but the truth is he found you long before that and never let go of you. He created you for himself, but no way was he going to let go of you. And there, there were times in your life where, where he came and got you, and he still does that, right? This isn't like a one-time thing. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this is not a one-time thing, him coming after us. And, um, and so that scripture, Luke 19, 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So part of the alignment is, is that we need to understand just the, the beauty of every single person we will ever, ever see. You know, every, you know what I'm saying? Every single one has the beauty of God. They're already created in his image. It's actually scriptural. They're already created in his image. It's just that so many people don't know it yet. And so, um, so tonight, I'm going to, like I said, that was, that was my warm-up. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from, uh, I'm going to jump ahead. So, um, you know, we're going to do a time warp here. We're jumping ahead to Acts 17 because we've, we've been working our way through Acts. I think we got to about 10 maybe. We're going to jump ahead to 17 because this just seemed like the right story. So I'm taking liberty because I have the microphone. So we're going to Acts 17. <laughs> and... Uh, Take a drink before I do. Uh, and we're into Paul's life. We already we covered several weeks about Saul, not such a nice guy, killing people who believed in Jesus. 
becoming becoming Paul because Jesus came to him and and um, I'm not going to go into that story again but here's a story about Paul in Acts 17 and I'm going to mostly read this with just just a few um, you know additions along the way but mostly I'm just going to let the story tell itself so here we go this is Acts 17 verses 16 to 28 and it says well while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was deeply troubled when he realized that the entire city was full of idols. Here Paul's, Paul's grieved because he's looking around at Athens, lots of idols, lots of bad stuff going on. So he's grieved. He's not, understand, he's not judging them. He's not angry at them. He's grieved because he knows Jesus. He knows what they could have. And he knows right now what they're stuck in. That's where the grief comes from, okay? Because you're going to see this later. He actually has great compassion for them. He argued the claims of the gospel with the Jews in their synagogue and with those who were worshipers of God. And every day he preached in the public square to whomever would listen. You're going to see that this was actually, Paul wasn't um, doing an odd thing. He was actually doing what was going on in, the, in Athens, which is there were a lot of philosophers, lots of people interested because they were trying to figure things out. They had a lot of questions about life and death, about fear. Why are we afraid? And so this was actually part of the culture. So it says right here, philosophers of the teachings um, of Epicurus, this is all fascinating, but it's way too much to know what, what each one of these teachings were. And others called Stoics. They debated with Paul. Remember, this was the norm for that day. Debating was a thing you did. There was, they actually found it fascinating. When they heard him speak about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what strange ideas is this babbler trying to present? Others said, he's peddling some kind of foreign religion. They didn't hear, hear this before. So, interesting, they brought him for a public dialogue before the leadership council of Athens known as the Areopagus. Isn't that interesting? So, Paul gets in these dialogues. I believe this was all very thought out by Paul. He knew what he was doing. He was getting into the culture, doing what he needed to, to make Jesus known. They're the ones that brought him to the head honchos. Probably about 100 people is what I read. Um, leaders, and we actually learn later that it wasn't just men, there was actually women in this leadership group too, just saying. And, um, and so this is where he finds himself, all right? So now the story goes on. Tell us, they said, about this new teaching that you're bringing to our city. You're presenting strange and astonishing things to our ears, and we want to know what it all means. Now, it was the favorite pastime of the Athenians and visitors to Athens to discuss the newest ideas and philosophies. Like I said, they were very interested in all this. So, Paul stood in the middle, right in the middle of the leadership council, and he said, respected leaders of Athens. See, he starts off by honoring them. At no point, even though I've heard people preach this and say, you know, he's mad and done it. no, he wasn't. He was he was in love with them. Remember, we just talked about aligning with God's heart for people. He was actually in love with people. And remember, Paul also says, I became all things to all people that I might win as many as possible, right? And so now he's in Athens. What's he going to do? He's going to be doing the debating thing with them. But look what he does when he gets to the council of the highest people. He starts with honor. Isn't this amazing? 
Respected leaders of Athens, it's clear to me how extravagant you are in your worship of idols. Isn't this amazing? He is not saying, you idiots, what are you doing? He's saying, it, I am amazed at your heart. Look what worshipers you are. You're clearly seeking after something is what he's saying. He's actually building them up. For as I walked through your city, I was captivated by the... He's, he's, this is, I just love this. He, I was captivated by the many shrines and objects of your worship. He wasn't saying yuck, yuck, yuck. He was saying, wow, look at you guys. I even found an inscription on one altar that read, to the unknown God. I have come to introduce to you this God whom you worship without even knowing anything about him. Isn't this brilliant? This man is brilliant. You know why? Because he has Holy Spirit living in him as he lives in each one of you. You are brilliant. There's a scripture that says, don't worry about how you defend yourself or what you'll say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. That has many applications, but there you go. He goes on. The true God is the creator of all things. They talked a lot about creation in their in their debating. So he's now going to their language. He's the creator of all things. He's the owner and the Lord of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm, and he doesn't live in man-made temples. He supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him. Remember, because a lot of the idol worship was flogging themselves and doing terrible things and sacrificing children, all kinds of bad things because they thought that's what the gods wanted. Paul's like flipping this all around. He doesn't lack something that we could supply for him for he has all things and everything he needs. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity and he spread us over all the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. And this is kind of how he Kicks it off at the end here. He has done this so that every person, every person, can you say every person? Would long for God. There's a longing in the heart of every person on this planet for God. I don't care what they're doing right now. I don't care where they are in life, how bad it looks. Every single person, God's put a longing in their heart for him. So he has done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him, and, can you say this with me? Find him. This is God's intent. He's put this longing, and somehow we grope our way around, but he always knows right where we are, and we find him. For he is the God who is easy to discover. It's through him that we live and function and have our identity, or your Bibles will say live and move and have our being. Just here, he flips it all, goes all the way around full circle, back to them. Just as your own poets have said, our lineage comes from him. I looked this up. This was about like a poem to Zeus. Isn't it interesting? He's still actually honoring their culture. Fascinating. While bringing in all the truth. So he goes right back to him and says, even your own poets have said this. And that word actually for uh, lineage is, is actually means, um, it's, it's genos. It's that our genes come from the Father. We are all come from his, his genetic makeup. Isn't that fascinating? So good. It goes on. There's more to the story, and please read this later, but, uh, or maybe we'll hit it later. But, it, but 
he does call them to repent. You know, he says, come on, turn, turn to the living God. Some of them walk away and say, yeah, not for me. Many start following Jesus, including some people from this main council. And it lists two of them by name, one man and one woman. Isn't that awesome? So this, yeah, this is the times that we're coming into. We need more and more brilliance from Holy Spirit about how to honor people, how to come into their world. You know, um, rather, than, rather than saying whether, whether it's Hindu, whether it's Muslim, whether it's Indian, uh, a Native American, um, there's a lot of different beliefs out there. But rather than starting with, um, you know, you're wrong and I'm right, that's just not going to get you very far. Or rather than not saying anything because that's not politically correct and we don't say anything, that's not the kingdom either. We actually have the truth, but we have to love people, get aligned with God's heart, honor them, listen to what God says because he's going to clue you in on some things and do it. That's all Paul was doing. He just was, yeah, I'll go. Now, I'm going to, I love this story, and, I'm, and then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you another story now. Okay, on, on video. Now, um, this is not a quick video. Like, we're, you're actually going to hear an amazing story that we just heard um, less than a week ago. We were at the mission in Vacaville, Suzanne and I. We were, we were at an event for leaders called Kingdom Connection, and um, we were reconnecting with lots of old friends, people that, that we've known 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago in various points of renewal and God moving. And I realize some of you know all about that, like in the 90s. Some of you don't have any remembrance of that. But I'm telling you, when God moves and things start to escalate and the spirit starts to rise, you will feel it and you will know it. It's not something we just pretend and say, wahoo, this is great. God's always here. He's always with us. Don't get me wrong. But there are seasons and times, and we're coming into another one of those, where, where his spirit is amping up. And um, I was going to say, put your seatbelts on, but please do not put your seatbelts on. Please, please get the full ride and, and go with Jesus because the harvest is coming in. Now, just last week, we met, we saw a lot of old people. We also met someone new, many new people, but this, uh, new friends, new friends, old friends, new friends. Um, my wife's helping me preach here. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so we met this, this young man and his wife, Caleb and Gladys Byerly, who live in North Carolina, and uh, we came, uh, we actually had a meal with them and just got to know them. This is a modern day book of Acts story that, that, is, that will show you the lengths God will go to because of his heart for people. But it also, I want you to catch this ahead of time. It also requires somebody that hears what God's saying and does what he says to do. It requires risk. It requires courage. And I'm declaring that into you because we're coming into a season where as the harvest is coming in, you're going to need more risk, uh, to take more risks, which means you'll need more courage. And the Spirit of God will do that for you. So I'm just trying to stir this up in us. And after this, um, you know, we'll see what time we have for, for some intercession, all right, to pray this through. Here we go. This is Caleb Byerly. I woke up from this dream. Starts with a dream. And I journaled everything that I had in the dream. So let me tell you a little bit about the dream. I was standing on top of this mountain, and I saw kind of a multitude of people, just a bunch of people. And um, 
it was a tribal group. And as I told you earlier, I do, I've been to many different tribes, so I'm just like all interested in tribal groups. And so in my dream, I saw these, this tribe of people, and I was like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? Where do you, where do you live? And they said, we're the Thinananun people. And um, I'm not sure about you guys, but I've never heard that word, Thinananun. Um, and I've never heard that before the dream. So uh, I heard that word, Thinananun. And then after that, I, um, I saw the chief. There was a chief to this tribe, and he was carrying a musical instrument. And he carried this musical instrument up in front of the people, put it on a table, and he, he, uh, he uh, had these two sticks that, that he, he was going to play the, the instrument. But then right then in the dream, I, I kind of had a pause, and I zoomed in to the instrument, and I got kind of a full download of everything about this instrument. And um, I saw all the dimensions. I know what material it was made out of. I know how it was made. I know how it was tuned and uh, how it was played. And so after that, zoomed back out, and the, the chief grabbed these sticks, and he began to play. And ha- as he played, this kind of heavenly music began to just fill the, the atmosphere, and everyone began to worship. And I was like, man, what is this? It's like, this is the sound of heaven, but it's also a sound of a tribe. What is this? And anyway, I, I woke up after that. And I, like I said, I pulled my journal out and just recorded everything I remembered from the dream. Um, I wrote that word, Thinananun. Um, I didn't even know how to spell it at that time. I was just like, T-I-N, I don't know. I just tried to spell it out. And um, then I uh, also drew pictures of this musical instrument, and I, I, you know, did little side marks, you know, saying this, this is the dimension, or this is the material, this is how it was made and put together, all that kind of stuff. And then I just left it at that, and I was like, okay, um, I'm just going to pursue this thing with the Lord and see if this is from the Lord. Um, and the way I process that usually is what I do is um, if I, because a lot of times I will either get a dream from, from the Lord or I get like an interpretation or I get something, I know that I'm supposed to deliver a word to someone or a people group or whatever, I just kind of process it with the Holy Spirit first. And the way I do that is I say, okay, I'm going to go as far as I possibly can with this word. And if it's from God, he's going to meet me. He's going to meet me halfway. He's going to, he's going to show me signs and wonders along the way to show me that it's, it's a word from God. And um, if it's not, what I end up doing is say, okay, I turn around, go back to my closet, spend some more time with the Lord processing these things. Um, but anyway, I was like, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to go for this and see what happens. So I contacted all my anthropological researchers all around the world, and I asked them about, you know, you know, these anthropologists know all, they do research on all the tribes and languages, you know. They know everything about the tribes and languages of the world, you know. And so, surely they would know, right? So I contacted them, and I said, 
Do you guys happen to know uh, Tinananen? If there's a tribe in this world called Tinananen, and um, they said, "Let me look in my book," you know. So they got these big, thick book, and they, you know, they they have all the tribes and languages and the people groups and everything in there. Research from the past, you know, 500 years, and all this stuff. And they told me that there's not um, there's not such thing as a tribe called Tinananen. So I was kind of like, okay, all right. Well, maybe my dream was a little off because sometimes I have these pizza dreams, you know. It's like I actually have more of those than than any other dreams. But um, I thought maybe it was a pizza dream. And then I was like, okay, well, another thing I'll do, I'll just I'll just get in my shop because you know I'm an instrument maker. I'll get into the shop and I'll just make it. I'll just put it together, right? Well, I got into my shop, and I tried to make it, and I just kept failing. Like, I just kept messing up and breaking things and snapping things. And um, I tried to get all of my materials together, and I, uh, I would go up into the mountains and find these, you know, specific types of wood. Not just the specific type of wood, but the part of the tree where that wood comes from. And um, the way to process it, and all this stuff, and... I was like so eager to do it, but I could not figure it out. I was like, man, I'm just, I just can't do this. I was getting so frustrated. Some day, one day I actually got so mad, I just broke something. I was like, oh, man, I just grabbed my clamp and I just threw it across the shop. <laughs> it like hit the wall and I was like, oh, man, I'm sorry about that, Lord. <laughs> but he, you know, he was with me all along the whole journey of making this thing. And so I um, ended up just kind of giving up on the instrument and gave up on, on the, the word dinananen. And uh, I was doing a lot in that season. Uh, Gladys, my wife, was pregnant with our first son. And uh, so we were busy preparing for that. And um, then we were doing missions work all, all through the Philippines at that time. So I was actually in the Philippines. And I was on this... Uh, I was on this public transportation called a jeepney, and uh, this I was on this jeepney, and uh, some you know people that I didn't know were in there in the in the in the bus. It was like a it's like the bus of the Philippines, which is pretty pretty different. But uh, we were going up into the mountains, and I'm traveling out into this one tribal group that we have missions work going on there, and there's this guy across the seat from me, and I'm noticing that he's staring at me. And he kept looking at me. I'm like, man, what's this guy doing looking at me? And uh, I would look at him, and as soon as i look at him, he'd look away. And I'm like, man, what's this guy doing? So finally I started talking to him, and uh, it turns out that he's a believer. And so we're talking about Jesus and talking about all this cool stuff, and uh, he, uh, I don't know, we're just talking, small talk, and then all of a sudden, I hear the Lord speak to me and, and say, I want you to ask that guy about the thin and onion. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. And the, but I, I heard, again, the Lord speak to me. And when I, when I hey, say... can I stop you there? Yeah, sure. And, and I want to... I want you to tell them, like, so you say you heard the Lord speak to you to tell this gentleman on the bus 
the Lord said to you, Caleb, ask him about the Thinananu people, yeah. the tribe. What did that sound like? Was it an audible voice from the Lord, or what, did, what was that like? Well, for that time and moment, um, it, was, it was not an audible voice of God saying, you know, Caleb, ask this guy about the Thinananu. No, it was like, it was like the best way I could explain it was like a, an impression in my heart. Like, I need to ask this guy. And, um, but then it was, it was hard for me because of my, myself. Um, so you, you call it an impression in the first service. You said it was like a, just a light bulb went off and it was just at this clicking moment that you knew that this was God. Anybody yeah. out here ever have that experience where would you raise your Yeah. So there's some of us. How many of you are like him and you just said, no, God? <laughs> that makes me feel better. I mean, the highlight of my first service was the fact that I heard he threw a clamp in anger. I'm like, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm um, <laughs> so sorry. I like to mention that, in, you know, when I'm telling this story, because it's like, we're all humans. And I know, like, what you're about to hear is like, whoa. But, like, tell the truth, it's just just walking step in step with, with him. Um, anyway, um, I, I was, you know, so I was talking with this guy. The Lord, Lord said, ask him about the thin and unknown. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it. And so I said, um, sir, uh, do you happen to know thin and unknown? And when I said that word thin and unknown, yeah, you know, his eyes got really big, and he, he just leaned into me. Like he was like, and he said, hey, how do you know my people? He said, how do you know my tribe? And I was, like, speechless, really. I was like, I don't, what do I say in this moment? So I was like, tell me as much as you know about your people group. And so he starts telling me about this people called the Thinananin. And he, is, he was actually born outside the tribe, but he knew that he was a thin and unknown person. And so the, the tribe that is actually located in a very mountainous area in the Philippines, and it's, it's actually cut off from, from the modern world. And uh, the reason I say that is because there are war camps that surround this tribal group. And so it makes it very difficult for them to go outside and for also for, you know, foreigners or for other people from the outside to come in. And so this man that I was talking to is actually, he was born in the city, he was raised up, and he came to know Jesus. And then God spoke to him and told him to go to his people, the Thinananun, to bring the gospel. And so this was years, many years back, and so he went to the Thinananun, and he was like trying to tell his family and his, you know, neighbors about, about Jesus and everything, but they were just giving him the hand, and he was, he was not getting anywhere with it, and he kept struggling and struggling. So um, I met him, and I said, hey, <clears throat> I don't know where you're, where you're going today or what you're doing, but I just, I have something to show you. And so, like, I, I, I took him to my, um, the house that I was staying at, and I pulled out my journal from, like, you know, six months before or whatever, and um, I pulled to that entry, you know, and showed him that. 
that entry from the dream that I had. And when he was reading it, there were just tears coming down his face. And he was like, oh, my goodness. He said, you know, earlier I kept, you know, I kept looking at you before we started talking. And I said, yeah, what was that all about? He was like, yeah, the reason why I was looking at you is because I've seen you before. And I was trying to recognize, you know, where did I see you at? But then I just realized that I've seen you in a dream. Wow. He said, three years ago, three years ago, God gave me a dream. And in that dream, you came to my tribe and you helped bring the gospel to my people group. Wow. The and Anan. And at that point, we were like, oh, my goodness. All right, let's just drop everything we're, we're doing here. Let's just get to, on our knees and just worship and just put all this stuff before him. So we ended up spending like three or four days together praying and worshiping and uh, just putting everything, talking about it. Um, he tells me more about the tribe. It turns out this tribe is a tribe of uh, between 70 and 100,000 people. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of people. To be located in a mountain range that um, are cut off from the world and not even recognized as a tribal group, that's a lot. And so, so anyway, we're, we're talking about this, and he invites me to his tribe. He said, I want you to come with me. Can you come tomorrow? And I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. First, I need to talk to my wife. <laughs> and then also, I need to really, I need to get back into my shop. Because I, I just felt in my spirit that I needed to do something. I needed to make that instrument. I don't know what it was, but something was telling me that I needed to make it. So I went back home. I uh, talked to Gladys about it, obviously. <laughs> we prayed about it. And I got back into the shop, and I just asked the Holy Spirit for wisdom and revelation to help me get through and figure this instrument out. I started getting all the materials back together, and the Holy Spirit gave me, gave me insight on it. And um, after about three months, with Gladys' help, we ended up getting it. And I, I just remember putting the strings on. This, this instrument was, just to give you a little bit of description about it, and actually, we, I have uh, a replica of it, one that I've recently made, and I'm, I'm going to show it to you here. the most nervous I've ever been pulling something <laughs> off. Like, yeah, let me, let me tilt it a little bit so you can see put it. Put my fire out. Is that a little, little better to see? Yeah. So it, it, in, this one's a little, little bit different. This one actually has geared tuners on it, like you would have on a guitar. <laughs> That's for me because this is the most recent one I made that I travel a lot and, um, and I play it. And so I need uh, geared tuners so they can stay in tune a lot more. But, um, but the original one had, you know, wooden pegs, all indigenous materials. And, um, but this is the basic setup of what it looked like. And I, um, you know, so I was like, let me just get back into the shop. I did it. I figured it out. I ended up putting those strings on for the first time and, and tuning it up. And as soon as I, I tuned it up, I struck the strings, it was that same sound that I heard in the dream. And I was like, oh, 
I was like, okay, I've, I've, I felt like I've, I've done as much as I could do. And um, I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go out there, whatever that means. And so I, I ended up buying a plane ticket. Um, and this was, I mean, just, just let you know, this is not easy just to buy a plane ticket to, this, to travel out there into this remote tribe. Um, this was one month before our first son was born. Wow. I mean, my wife was preg- like really pregnant. <laughs> and she was like, hey, if it's, if it's God, um, which we've already seen the signs and wonders, it, this is God, you need to go. So it's not just me taking a step. It's, it's my wife. It's my, I, I give so much honor to her. She's the best. For me, she's the best woman in the world. Um, I could cry sometimes talking about her. But anyway, um, I um, whew, love. Uh, I need to sit closer to him so some of that <laughs> niceness can come over here and get on me. <laughs> Impartation. There. Let's um, see if that works. <laughs> I think you're supposed I to rub feel his head. better already. <laughs> Oh man! So uh, yeah, I bought a ticket. Uh, that, that actually, the next morning we flew. I flew out there by myself to this island, and I took the instrument with me, not knowing what it was going to happen. I asked one of my best friends, who was actually uh, from a neighboring. He's actually from a neighboring tribe, um, and he's a good friend of mine. So he actually probably. I was thinking he probably understands the language of, of the Tinananan, so he could help translate for me. So I, I asked him to go with me. We traveled out there. We finally got to the border of this, uh, of this tribal group. And um, as we got there, we met this man, you know, the man that I was telling you about from, from the bus or from the public transportation. We met there, and he met me, and we, we all jumped on this little tiny motorbike. And I mean, this thing was just hilarious. It was like a, a little, basically a, like a 100cc little, I mean, we would buy that for like our, our teenagers here to ride around the backyard. But we're like, we, all three of us jump on this little motorbike. And I've got this musical instrument that size above my head. I'm like, all right, let's go. And so we're like going up into the mountains, and it's not like our little North Carolina mountains here, which some people call hills. I mean, this is like the real mountains, like the Southeast Asian mountains, like super up there kind of stuff. And so we're like going up there, a little tiny trail, and uh, it's really muddy uh, because it just rained the day before. And then I look up into the sky, and this uh, this big like rain clouds coming in. I was like, oh, no, I know what that is. I know what that's like. So like five minutes later, you know, just downpour. And so we actually have water coming down the side of the mountains. And it's like, you know, it's, you know, between our ankles and knee, that height, that high. So we're actually having to go up into the, into the trail, the little tiny trail with this water gushing down the side of the mountains. And then we get to this cliff, it's like a drop-off cliff, and there are these two little ropes going across from this 
you know, from this cliff to that side of the cliff, and there are these like wooden planks coming parallel to the to the rope. So that's our bridge to get across. And we like, do we go across this thing or what? You know, and so like we just we made that decisions. We're we're just gonna go. We're just gonna go for it. You know, and then the driver was like, the best way to do this is to go across on the motorbike, all of us together. And I was like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be better, like, to, you know, walk across or something like that? And he's like, no, nah, we, we need to ride across. <laughs> like, all right, you're the, you know, you're the driver out here, so I'm going to respect that, but all right, let's go for it. So we start going, and, and this, this, you know, this uh, bridge is, like, swinging to the left and right. We're, we're trying to balance, you know, and everything, and I'm holding this instrument across my head, and we, oh, thank the Lord we got across. But as soon as we got across, the, uh, the driver, the, the motorbike popped in neutral, and he lost control, and we ended up hitting this stone and, f- like, flying in the air. And um, praise the Lord. I mean, there were stones around us. There was that drop-off cliff, and we just dropped into this, like, fluffy green grass. I, I, I cannot explain it, but we just, all this danger around us, and we landed in this, this fluffy grass. So we were like, all right, all right, okay, let's get back on. Let's go for it. <laughs> so we got back on the motorbike, and we, we went in, and we, uh, we ended up, as we were going into the tribe, I heard that impression that we were talking about earlier. I heard the Lord speak to me again. And it was, uh, the Lord said, I want you to take the instrument to the chief. And I was like, okay, well, where's the chief's house? And so we started asking, and it turns out the chief's house was on the other side of the mountain, like three and a half hours away. And we had already traveled ten and a half hours. So we're just like, okay, 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 here we go again. So we back, back on the motorbike, and we finally got to his house. And we just like, you know, we, we get out. There's mud all over our bodies, even on this instrument, mud everywhere. We come up to this house. We just knock on the wooden door. And there he was, the chief. He opened the door. And um, he just, uh, just looked at us. And then he looked down and saw this instrument. And I said, uh, you know, we are from... Outside, and we're, you know, we're traveling to your, your place for the first time. And we hear that, we heard that you were the chief of the tribe. And before we go to different parts of the tribe, we actually want to give this as a gift to you. And so I just handed the instrument to him. And uh, he took it, and he was like, almost like he was scared of it. And he put it, we went, came into his house, we put it down on a table. And he stepped back, and he was not even really talking to us. He was just, like, focused on this instrument. And he said, uh, where did you get this instrument from? And I said, you know, I just kind of made it, you know, <laughs> put it together. And he was like, no, 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 no. Where did you get this instrument from? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I just had some ideas. I just put them together and made it. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm serious. Where did you get this instrument from? And I said, okay, well, if you really want to know, I'll, 
I was trying to beat around the bush, really, but I was like, if you really want to know, here, I, here it is. I said, well, last year I, um, I had a dream, and in the dream I saw your people, the Tinananun, for the first time, and I heard the name of your tribe for the first time ever. I said, I also saw this musical instrument in the dream, and I am an instrument maker, and so I ended up making the instrument. And I said, so I, I believe that my God had, had given this, in, this dream to me. And I said, so, so I ended up making the instrument, and I, I met this guy who was actually from, this man was sitting beside me, so I said, I met this man who was actually from the Tinananan people, and he, he led me out here to meet you. And so here I am to, to give this as a gift to you. I just kind of left it there. Uh, and he was like shaking his head, plucking the strings. And then at that same time, there were these other chiefs that came into the room. And they're like, they're also elders or chiefs of the tribe. And this tribe is so big, you know, 100,000 people. So, so they actually have to have chiefs all over the place. But then there's the chief of those chiefs. And the guy, the guy that I was at his house today, he was the chief of the chiefs. And so I ended up, ended up uh, you know, there were, there were those, those other chiefs from the different locations that came in. And as soon as they walked in the house, uh, they saw the instrument. And they came up to it and they said, oh, Salimba. Salimba. And that's all I heard was Salimba, Salimba. And I was like, what's Salimba? And they were plucking the strings and talking about it in their language. And I didn't understand it. And I was kind of confused, but I kept hearing this word Salimba. And so uh, they looked at me and they said, we have to show you something. And so they, they took me out of their house and took me down this path. And there was this little kind of little house kind of thing. And we ended up walking into it. I thought it was a house, but turns out that this place was actually the most holy of holies of their tribe. It's the place that they worship the, the different gods of their, of their tribe. And in, in their tribal belief system, they have the God of all gods, and they believe in one true God. But they also believe that God has sent down these kind of smaller gods to steward different parts of the earth. So like there's the God of the tree, the God of the, of the river, and the God of the stone. And so he takes me into this room, and this place is where they worship the gods, or they worship God and then his, his angels. And uh, so he, they have all these different musical instruments in there. And they began to explain to me, this, this instrument is the instrument that worships the God of the, the tree. And then there's this kind of drum thing that, that worships the God of the stone. And so they're telling me all about you know, their, their different artifacts of their tribe and, and musical instruments. And then there's this one actual blank area. It's like this spot in the, in the wall that's just not nothing there. And then they pointed there and they said, a hundred or 150 years ago, there was a tribal war. 
And there was another tribe that came and, and battled with the Tinananun people. And when they battled, the, uh, the tribal, uh, the, the, uh, the instrument maker, you know, there's an instrument maker that, that makes all these instruments for worship. And he was killed. He was killed during that battle, and he never had the opportunity to pass down the art of making these instruments for worship. And then he, said, he also said there was our, our instrument, our most valuable instrument that we worship the God of all gods. And he said that instrument was taken away from them during that battle. And he said that time when it was taken away from us, we have, we have believed that, that since the enemy has taken that, that, uh, that instrument away one day, God is going to restore it back to us. And he said, that instrument is the salimba. And today, you have brought that instrument back to us. And I was like speechless. And, and they said, they began to tell me more about their, their history and what's happened, you know, since that tribal war. There's actually been a like a, a really sad song or like a lament that has come out of that time of war. And it goes like this. The enemy has taken the Salemba away from us. Therefore, God is going to redeem it. And the Salemba, the time when it is going to be redeemed back to us, it's going to come down from heaven like, a, like an aircraft. And, and they said, when it comes down from heaven, God is going to be riding inside the Salimba. I know this is kind of out there, but th- this is their belief. And, and so the, that God is going to come down in the Salimba. It's going to rest on top of the mountain. And then God is going to call all the righteous people to him. So all the righteous people are going to go to him, and then they're going to go back into heaven. That's, that's their story. That's, that's their story that's been passed down from generation to generation. And so they said, today, you have brought the Salemba back to us. And so they ended up having this dedication where they brought all the tribal leaders and all the um, chiefs together, and they dedicated this instrument back to the God of all gods. And there's been a continuous worship to God of all gods since then. And they also ended up giving me a headpiece of a chief. Wow. And, uh, they, and I didn't know what that meant at that moment. But when they gave the headpiece to me, they uh, gave it to me and they said, Caleb, uh, you are now one of our chiefs. Wow. And they said, whatever you feel like God is leading us into, that's where we're going to go as well. And so I was like totally humbled at that time. And I was like, you know, what do I do? You know, so I, I went to the Lord and I said, what do I do? And the Lord said, ask them how you can help them. And so I went back to the chief and I said, okay, um, how can me and my family and my tribe help you? But as I was asking this, I was like, oh man, why am I asking this? Because like, they know that I'm American. They know that like, we're, we are one of the richest nations in the world. They, I mean, they could have asked for anything. They could have asked for money or to help build a highway through their tribe 
They could have asked anything, but you wouldn't believe what they asked for. The chief said, he thought about it for a long time, and then he said, okay, Caleb, if you can do one thing, um, I, I want you to help us with this. I want, to, I want you um, to help us translate your book into our language. Yeah. And... Ah, just before we pray, I'm going to show you one more video, just a couple seconds of what this instrument sounds like. That's Caleb playing it. Would you come up and uh, Suzanne, come on up. Diane, would you come up? We're just, uh, even though I've heard this story many times, I get wrecked every time still. I, how can you not? You know, this, this is our God. This is how brilliant he is. This is how he works all things for something we can't even imagine, you know, in, in his heart that we just go, go after people and go get people. So, um, and so I just, I wanted to, take a little time to, um, to pray. And um, I realize it's already 8.35, so parents, maybe, maybe bring your kids back in. Um, anyway, um, wow. Father, my heart is, is moved again by um, just the extreme goodness of your heart. I mean, extreme goodness. We, we don't even know. We really don't know to the lengths you would go. We, we know for our own lives the lengths you went to to come and get us, but Lord, that's your heart for every single person on this earth. Every single one. It's, it's no less. And so, Father, I, I just want to right now declare the truth that, um, that your heart is for every single child of yours to come back home and we and we just say, Father, would you would you make your name known? Jesus, let, let people see you. I thank you, God, that in every culture around the earth, we just read it from the book of Acts. Every single culture, everyone has you put something inside of them that is seeking after you. Everyone has a story that's somewhat similar of this God, this God who's coming, this one who will save. And so, Jesus, we're just asking that the nations would know who you are. Every Every single child of yours would know who you are. And and we just, Lord, you just you spoke to me about the harvest that's coming. And here's here's seventy to a hundred thousand that didn't that that were longing for you, worshiping you, but didn't know 
really. Um, they didn't have the full story. And they're wanting it. And there's a Bible coming. <laughs> and so, Father, I'm, I'm just, I'm saying that harvest is, it's here and it's coming. Jesus, you said the fields are white for harvest. They're, it's ready. Lord, would you change our eyes? Would you change our heart? Would you soften our heart? Would you give us your heart? So that when we look at people, wherever, whatever we are doing, we see what you see. And we know that that same cry is inside of the heart. I think it's something like 90% in the Bay Area. Who knows the exact numbers? Something like 90% at least aren't going to church. I don't know what that means about where everyone is in their journey with finding you. But what it means is there's a lot of people out there who are hungry, who need you, and they don't, they don't have the full answer yet. Lord, let that be the cry of our heart, to see them come into your kingdom, to love them into the truth, to be like Paul and to be all things to all people that we might win as many as possible. Jesus, you already saved. This is coming straight from your word. You've, you've already done the work to save every person on the planet. There's nothing more that can be done. You paid the full price, Jesus. And all we're doing is helping people who have partial truth, who are looking, who are searching to say, this is the one you're looking for. And he loves you. He loves you right where you are. So, Lord, we're agreeing that this is a time for harvest. And we're, and we're also agreeing, Lord, that you would align our hearts with yours. So, Lord, for each one of us, whatever that means, Whatever that means, we're saying we give you permission. And if it's what you want, tell him so because he's listening. I give you permission to align my heart with yours. And that means that means he's going to show you things about his kingdom, his kingdom dominion and how that differs from the world we're in. And he's going to give you passions and he's going to give you desires and he's going to give you courage. And he's going to keep you in the game, by the way. He's going to keep you connected to his heart. out to my heart and people who have been lost and I really felt like you're awakening tonight some of us had had dreams some of us have had passions and it's been laid dormant for the lost people so we just say Holy Spirit come and awaken us right now awaken it let us have the wrecked heart that you have for these people, their family members and co-workers, the nations, the world. We cry out, God. We cry out. We say we cry out for Asia. We cry out for North America. 
for South America, for Africa, for Australia, for Europe. yours and everything in it and we declare that I want to declare um, Isaiah in my Bible I had written next to Isaiah 64 it says that said prayer precedes a move of God so Jesus we know that so many people have been praying years and years and years years and years for you to come and for revival and so I'm going to read Isaiah 64 and I'd like you to agree with me it's called a cry for revival God if only you would tear open the heavenly realm and come down how the mountains would tremble in your awesome presence. And in the same way that fire sets kindling to blaze and causes water to boil, let the fire of your presence come down. Let the fire of your presence come down. Let the fire of your presence come down. (laughs) Reveal to your enemies your mighty name and cause the nations to tremble before you. And when you did amazing wonders we didn't expect, you came down. And the mountains shuddered in your presence. These amazing things had never been heard of before. And you did things never dreamed of. And no one perceived your greatness. No eye has ever seen a God like you who intervenes for those who wait and long for you. Intervene now, God. Intervene now. God, the cry of their hearts all over the world is who is our God? Who is our God? And you, Jesus, are our God. You are our God. The love that you have, the unconditional love, come down. Come down and rend all the hearts all over the world. Capture their hearts. And we say, yes, send us. Send us. Send us. And all we have to say is yes. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Uh, What Diane just said, here I am, send me from Isaiah. Um, the prophet Isaiah, and I just want to encourage you. If you, if if, if like there's anything in your heart that's like, man, I I, I just need to, to do something. I'm saying, come on up here, get on the floor, whatever you need to do if you want to. But if you're even saying, here I am, Lord, send me. And and I just want to tell you, that may mean like the story we just heard. It also could mean the Lord's going to send you to your next door neighbor, um, to someone at your office, to someone, uh, you know it. When you say, send me, God gets to say where that is. But your heart is just saying, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, Yeah, along those lines, um, and pulling from the word that uh, Joanne Moody spoke, 
um, to us through it from intercession a couple of weeks ago where um, it's, it is thus and so that the Lord has seen us standing shoulder to shoulder with him and that our intercession, the faith in this house is tipping the bowls. It's tipping the bowls. And from that, and as our, our hearts are aligned, could it be that what, we're, what we are going to step into is what it feels like as the bulls tip and what tips out of that and the fragrance and the beauty and the Lord's hand and the Lord's, him moving that this, this what we've been working into is filling up those bowls and now, now as our hearts are aligned with his and we get to receive, to feel, help me, honey, that we get to um, experience what the bowl's tipping feels like. We get to experience what those prayers, it's like the... Uh, we get to experience the prophet's reward, if you will. We get to experience the intercessor's reward. That, that, that those prayers, the intercession, the tears, as they pour out on, on this world, on our society, on our culture, and they pour out through you. Through each one of you, there there is a cry in your heart. There are people on your heart, each one of you here. There is someone on your heart that, that the Lord is already working on. And you are going to be that person, just like Caleb was, at the right place at the right time. To harvest that, to harvest that. To bring that heart into the kingdom. And so as Brent prayed earlier, there is going to be risk, and there's, but there's going to be a yes in your heart. It's going to take courage. And so we breathe that. We breathe that into you now from a place of strength and courage. You're going to hear the cry of your heart answered for those that you love around you and, and, and the, the ones that just need the Lord. You are going to be bold beyond your knowing. That's what we're going, that's what we're going into. We're going, we're going into that place. Thank you, Lord. That's where we're going. That's what this time of preparation, of maturing has been. So that we can hold it and we can share it from a place of strength and identity. 
as sons and daughters to bring other sons and daughters into the kingdom, into their rightful place. That's what this time of preparation has been. Release the sound of heaven, Lord. Release it tonight. Release it in each heart here. Breathe the courage. Breathe. Breathe confidence. Breathe strength. Breathe authority into them, Lord. And bring their loved ones in. Thank you, Lord. If some of the intercessors that we, I talked to earlier, if you have something burning, come on up. I just, I want to say this. Um, some of you, I, I believe, are, are sitting here thinking, gosh, I'm not feeling any of this. And you're like, what is wrong with me? Can I just tell you, um, we're, we're all in different seasons and there are things sometimes where, that the Lord is doing in our own hearts. That's okay. I, this is not about feeling. We, you can totally still agree with what God's doing. And still make yourself available. And believe me, he will take you up on it, even if you're not feeling warm fuzzies. Just, I just want to let you know, because honestly, mostly love is a choice. Love, is a, love can be a feeling. It feels great at times, but I'm telling you, mostly it's a choice. It's a daily. Suzanne and I, last many weeks, the Lord's just been having us take communion almost every morning. We missed one or two. But just reminding ourselves, not only what Jesus, this is what you have done, but we are yours. We belong to you. And this day is yours. What you say, that's what we'll do. And so I believe that's part of the alignment too, is God is just calling. I mean, that's, if you think about it, that's, that is, that's what a believer's, you know, follower of Jesus does, right? Our life is his. It's not ours anymore. But honestly, all of us get worn down. And we, the world wears us out at times, and we forget. We just forget what, what really the deal was. He took everything from our life that was, that was not the real us, everything that, that kept us in chains. And he, and he gave us instead his life, his love, his goodness. But we belong to him, not to ourselves anymore. So I'm just, that's part of that alignment. Any, any intercessors want to come up? Anyone have anything? Michaela, do you got something? I'm, I don't know why I'm feeling that. I'm just, damn. If you need to go, you can go. We're just going to keep praying for a little while. Father, just ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you would remove the blinders. They're blinders of religiosity and legalism. And that, Father God, that that as we walk in the fullness of who we are as your sons and daughters, that, oh, thank you that you are making the way. You are opening the eyes. You're opening blinded eyes. You're causing hearts to turn once again. You're causing hearts to turn once again to the true and living God, the one who truly loves them, the God who, who, turns towards us and pursues us. Oh. Hey. Oh. 
oh my goodness, that everyone matters, that everyone matters. Father, the hidden ones, the hidden ones, the hidden ones, Father, they matter, they matter, they have a name and they have a purpose. Father God, that the hidden ones, God, would be seen and they would be heard. Father, in the name of Jesus, that they would come into the fullness of how you made them. God, they would shine like that instrument. God, from this unknown tribe, brings forth the sound of heaven. Hello. (laughs) Father God, that you would release the hidden ones, that they would come and that we would... God, just I just ask, I thank you that they're coming. I thank you that they're coming and that you're turning their hearts right now. You're turning their hearts right now. You're turning their hearts right now. And you're unshackling them, unshackling them from the things that have weighed them down, from the things that have blinded their eyes, and they're seeing, they're seeing you. Increase your spirit, your presence, the awareness of your presence. Lord, would you give us awe and wonder as little children looking at you, this beautiful, astoundingly beautiful Papa, Papa Yahweh, Abba, Papa Yahweh. Um, I just feel the Lord is saying, beloved. Don't you realize you are my beloved? That you are the vibration. You are the instrument. You are the frequency. You are the ones. For I have chosen you for this very time and this very place. Beloved, don't you know I have dreams about you? Beloved, don't you know that I'm excited over you. For beloved, just come to me and rest. Rest. And I will give you dreams. I will give you dreams of significant. I will give you dreams of new identities in me. I will release you into new places. For you will see things that will blow your mind. You will speak words that will blow doors open. Not because of power that's saying, but it's the power that I put over you because you are my beloved. Beloved, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. I love you. You will become my beloved. You are one who is in my heart as David encouraged himself in me. The Father says, encourage yourself in me because I am so encouraged over you. You are my children. You are my sons and daughters. Beloved, in this place you will know yourself in a far greater way and then then you will be calling out other people in their identities. And there you will be releasing healing. And there you will be turning around, changing neighborhoods, changing places because of the sound that comes out of you. Beloved, 
don't you know I love you? Rest in me and know. For the storms are coming and the fires rage and the earthquakes. But you will be at peace because you are my beloved and you will know me in the secret place. So rest and be still and know that God is behind you. For like a five-year-old sat next to you, but when you close your eyes, you felt an eight-foot person. Well, when people, you walk into a room, they will see 20 feet people because you are my beloved. You are my beloved. Rest in that place and know that I love you. Not for what you're going to become, but just who you are right now. Rest in me and know that I, that you are enough. You're enough right now. And you are my beloved. (laughs) Can you feel God's tenderness here? (laughs) Thank you, Papa. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And this is always your heart, Father. You you don't scold us into doing things. <laughs> you invite us into your loving heart first and first for ourselves to feast, to taste and see that you are good. We get to taste and see first that you are good. And then we get to carry that goodness with us everywhere we go. <laughs> Love that laugh. <laughs> That's our place in the Father's heart right there. (laughs) Lord, keep us there. Keep us there as much as possible. And Father, when our heart strays, and that can look like a lot of different things. Sometimes it's, you know, flat out rebellion. Other times it's just just getting discouraged because we forget. Uh, we, We just say, Lord, bring us back into the goodness of your heart. Thank you that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's your kindness, Father. So earlier, earlier Todd had, had um, prayed. He had sealed our worship. And I, I just, I have a sense of, there's been a whole lot of holy moments here tonight that's happened at different times in worship and through, uh, through the testimony earlier, um, through Katie's testimony, through, through different words that Kat spoke, that Suzanne spoke, that Diane, different ones, Michaela, even that last... Uh, beautiful uh, prophetic word uh, from John there's something going on in our hearts and um, I believe many of you have been touched deeply and hurt and, and sensed some things inside that the Lord is saying to you and so I am saying Lord that by your authority I want to seal what you've done here in, in our hearts the good things you have done even some of the lies you've taken out and the good things you put in, I want to seal that, Jesus, and that as we leave from this place, we, we don't just go back to old patterns, old stuff. We, we journey with you more and more into the new, into the true creation of who we are, into our real selves as you've defined us, that we belong to your Genos. <laughs> Thank you.
you, Father. Thank you. The winds are blowing. Things are changing. Father, I speak courage and hope into every heart in this room. There's just... So I, I speak hope into your hearts that tangible, real, it's a real substance from heaven, hope into your hearts that knows that good is, is here even though you can't always see it and it's coming, that the goodness of God is coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's here and it's coming. So that hope in your heart that knows this and that sends discouragement away so Father thank you for protecting us from the fiery darts of the enemy that would want to bring discouragement, doubt uh, depression the various things everything Jesus that you already paid for for us to be free from so we receive your freedom we receive the hope, we receive the joy I pray lots of joy in your journey lots of joy in your journey and that your heart says God aligns you back you're going to find you're, if, if you felt like you've been straying from your first love you're going to find that first love he's already found you he's already sought you out and you're going to start going back to that first love the one that has always been there Jesus Jesus, Jesus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus it's really all about you Jesus <laughs> Oh, we love you. We love you. We love you. Lord, I'm praying too that you would put, um, bring, lead us into encounters and let us know that we're in them. <laughs> let us know when we're in an encounter, not just with you, but with other people. I'm talking right now. Other people, open our eyes to what you're doing so that the yes in our hearts looks like something in that moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So again, just, I just, I don't, I don't know. You don't have a song, right? No, nope. all right. I just kept asking Todd, you got a song? Um, I, I just so love being with you all. I really do. Thank you um, for pursuing with us, you know, the deeper things, the, the, the just the heart of God together. Um, so it this just doesn't feel like one of those nights where we have prayer teams. It just doesn't with me. But uh, but if you want to sit up and, you know, sit up here and spend time with the Lord, if you want to um, just talk with people or pray, if you want prayer, gosh, just about anybody in this room would be amazing to pray with. Um, yeah. So thank you, Father. We bless you for this evening. We thank you that we don't leave here from your presence. We carry your glory in us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah.